uh, we are in the the sixth week of our journey of going through Mark, and we have uh, at this point seen uh, the the tables or the the uh, tipping point where the religious rulers are are no longer interested in hearing what Jesus has to say, but they now want him to die, um, and they are going to start working uh, with. With people who support Rome in in portraying someone who is civilly uh, uh, a liability to Rome, and also working with the Sanhedrin, and uh, which is the governing body, one of the governing bodies of the Jewish people, to show that he is a threat to the religious structure. Um, today we're going to be uh, in. Mark chapter 4 and starting in in verse 21 and Jesus is going to be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ or him that what what does that look like and and this lends itself very well to the two questions that we're trying to answer during this series each and every one of us personally the first one is who is Jesus and then the second one is what does it mean to follow him what, what does it look like in the 21st century for someone who, who claims that, that Jesus is their, the leader of their life and their, their Savior? What does it look like for that person, for us, to follow him? And in verse 21, he, he, get, he starts here, he says, Then Jesus asked him, them, Would anyone light a lamp? And put it under a basket or under a bed. Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. And every secret will be brought into light. And anyone who has ears should hear and listen and understand. And here Jesus is using this, this metaphor of, of a lantern and, and in and or a, or a lamp and he say look the world is a dark place and those of you who are followers of me that that you are like a light to the world and what it means to be a follower of me is is to to bring light to a dark place to to use the gifts and the talents and and the resources that i've entrusted with you to be the conduit of, of my love and mercy, to be, to be the light in somebody's circumstance. And those of us who, who you know, want to be the light, but, but don't want to let anybody know or, or not show anybody that this is, this is actually a paradox, that this is actually totally absurd. Why, why would you become a light and, and light the dark place and then cover it up? So the first thing that he's trying to say is here is, look, you know what? You have, you have been brought into my kingdom, that, that you have been forgiven, and, but that, that's not the end. That's, you know, the, the destination gospel which I characterize is, okay, you get saved or, or you're forgiven from your sins. And then, and then, you know, the next step is to, you know, sit in a church somewhere and never do anything. 
It's empty. That's, that's covering up your light. That, that we come uh, together to be encouraged. Encouraged in those things where uh, other people might not understand why we're doing it. Martha uh, shared a story with me Friday when we were talking. And when she got back to work uh, after being in, in, in Haiti and all this stuff, one of her fellow nurses uh, said, so... You know, so did you save the world, you know, like really just condescending, just like, you know, and I, I told her she should have said, uh, the, you know, the world's better because I'm in it. Can you say the same thing? But, uh, uh, <laughs> but she, she didn't think that that was very nice either. <laughs> uh, but, but you have, you know, you have this, this, this you know, this idea of, of, you know what, if we truly are a light, and this is what we're really talking about, if we're truly, if this is true, what Jesus is saying, if, if we have been illuminated to be the lights in a dark world, then, then it is absurd for us to cover up that light. He, he continues on to clarify, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more you understand, you will be given. And you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away. You know, oftentimes people are like, you know, I want God to reveal his plan for me. I want to know this, this grand plan. You know, Mark, you talk about, about, you know, living the life that God has envisioned for you, which I believe is, is our pursuit. That anything less than, than relentlessly pursuing and living out the life that God has envisioned for you is sin. It's less than what he wants for you. But oftentimes we, we get to, you know, I, I'm asked, well, I don't know what that is. And I always go back and, and ask, have you been faithful with the things that you do know? Have, have, you, have you done the things that you do know? I have a dear friend who uh, in California who used to say that, that Christians are educated way beyond their obedience level. That, that we focus on, on, you know, I need to know more. I need to study more. I need to know my Bible before I go and, and do anything. And, and, and hear me, there's nothing wrong with studying the Bible. I'm pro-Bible. Uh, but, but I often go back and, and I look, you know, last week, Jesus called the 12 disciples. How much Bible study did they do before they went out and started being the lights of the world? Zero. They knew one thing. They knew Jesus. They knew Jesus was doing some really cool stuff. And they started thinking, you know what? We want to follow him and we want to tell people about him. And we may not have all the answers. In fact, you know, the New Testament is the story of them not having all the answers and getting things wrong. But they were obedient with the little that they did have. 
And I think that that is very important for us to answering the, the question of what does it mean to be a follower of Christ here in the 21st century? And the answer is, you know what? It's obedient with what you do know. It's, it's following through with what you do know. We know that God has called us to be the conduit of his love and his mercy to a, a lost and hurting world. So that means that, that when we see someone in need, and not just, just monetary need or, or physical need, but emotional need or, or, or spiritual need or, or, or whatever, that, that we need to have a tenderness to be that light, to be that, the channel of God's love and hope to them. Then it's in verse 26, he also said this to kind of open up our understanding a little bit more of what does it mean to be a follower of him? He says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he sleeps or as he is is asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then heads of wheat are formed. And finally, grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. For the harvest time has come. And I was thinking about this, and he's he's talking about, about show and tell, essentially. Remember when you were a kid, like you would you would go to you would go to school and it was show and tell day. I love show and tell day. Like not I just you know because people would bring the things that they loved, and what would they do? They would show them. They would show them, and then once we saw them, that you know these things, then then you would hear what they what they loved about it. And and, and to be honest with you. I was exposed to, to a lot of cool things that, that I wouldn't have known about if it wasn't for show and tell. That, that people would bring in new and, and interesting games or, or you, would, you would see different kinds of stuffed animals or, or, or you know, in, in my day, you know, like Star Wars cards and, and, and different things like that. And, and people bringing something that they cherished in their life and they would show it to the class. And, and then we'd hear about it. And I think, you know what, a lot of times that, that when we think about, about Jesus and we think about him in our, in, in, in our lives, that, that we get it backwards. We, we tell first. We tell and then we feel like that we have some sort of responsibility to, to you know, evangelize and, and to somehow, you know, bring these people to a decision. And, and we think that that is our responsibility as followers of Christ. But Jesus is sitting here saying, no, 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 no. You got it backwards. That first you're meant to be the light. That's the show part. That... That you know what that the the love that you have been shown that you show it to people, and and then he equates that to the seed and saying, look, the farmer, you know, he shows the seed and he throws it out into the the dirt, and then what does he do? Nothing. He can't make that seed grow. We cannot make 
people followers of Christ. It's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to show that Jesus loves them through lots of different ways, through, through every avenue of our heart, that we are to be ambassadors of Christ, that we are to show them his love. But at that point, it's God's responsibility of what he does. And he uses this, this, this analogy of farming that, that the seed goes and it breaks open and it pushes through the ground and, and, and comes, comes up and then, it, then it's ready for harvest, which uh, in, the, in this context means that they're, they're ready to solidify their commitment to Christ, to publicly, to publicly proclaiming him as their Lord and Savior. And then, once again, it's our responsibility to come back in and to to harvest. Now, I think a lot of times we we drop the ball after that, especially in the in the 20th century church. I call it drive-by evangelism, where you drive by and you pop, 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 you hit a few people with Jesus, and uh, and they they drop in and uh, you know they're saved. Or, I mean, I know that doesn't really work in the analogy, but but you know you're going going forward and you think we think ah, our job is done. You think about this as a, as a farmer, and he comes out with his sickle, and, and he harvests. What's a farmer do after that? Does he just leave the grain living in the, uh, on the field and say, ah, job well done. Next field, or whatever. You know, No, they take up the grain, and they, they do whatever they do with it after that, and uh, somehow it ends up at the supermarket. And uh, but I'm sure there's a there there is quite a process that happens between then and there, and I think that there's also quite a process that that goes from from someone who who is is doesn't know that that there's a God who loves them, and they hear that to the point where they are actually being the light, the conduit of God's love and mercy. And there, there's a process in that. And that's what, what God is, or Jesus is trying to explain here. And then one more thing that he, that he does, and he's talking about the kingdom of God again. He says, how can I describe the kingdom of God? He wants us to get this. He wants to know us to understand what does it mean for us to be in the kingdom? What, do, what are we meant to do? He says, what story should I tell to illustrate this? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. And in this illustration, I think it's, it's very telling, once again, of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ and our responsibility. That, that we come, and, and the vast majority of us, when we, we come to Christ, that we're, you know, we're this, this mustard, mustard seed, one of the smallest of, of all seeds. And we think, what, what impact can I have? I think a lot of times that we're, we're uh, paralyzed by grandeur. That we think that, you know what, if I can't do something on a large scale, on a national or, or, or global scale, that it's not worth 
doing. So we end up doing nothing. But Jesus is saying here, you know what? Tiny mustard seed. Brought, planted, and, and, and grown up. That what, what happens, it, it turns into this plant. And what does this plant do? It, it grows long branches. And it gives comfort and a home to a bird. And then what happens? That bird nests in the shade. And in that nest, what are in nests? Besides bugs and lots of nasty stuff. Eggs. And we see that, that, that then, uh, the, the cycle of life, that, that life is brought from there. From this, this one mustard seed, now we have a plant that's giving shade and, and helping, helping others and bringing life. And that, that, you know what? Did that one plant change everything? Is everybody going to tweet about the, 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 the mustard plant in the nest and, and, and the birds? No, but you know what? That, that seed made a difference in those birds' life. And as we learned last week, how much more important are you, are people to God than the animal? And he's saying, look, that, that through you, I, no matter how small you think you are, how insignificant your acts may be, they matter. And maybe you'll never, you know, be Billy Graham, but God hasn't called you to be Billy Graham. He's called you to be you. He's called you to use the gifts and the talents and the passions that, that he's entrusted to you to make a difference in the people who are around you. And that might not look like turning the world upside down to everybody else's eyes, but to that one person, to that one family that you do touch, that they are being touched by the very hand of God through you. After all this teaching that uh, evening was coming and Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So Jesus so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. And I think it's very important that, that Jesus, oftentimes, he removed himself from the larger crowds and he, he, he connected with his, his core unit. And even within his core unit, he had even a smaller unit, a, a time where he would be with them and teach them and, and prepare them for, for future ministry. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. So here we have another clue. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? I, I, I've heard it said, well, Mark, you know what? I, I've, I've become a follower of Christ and my life seems worse that the ad adversity and, and, and pain and, and conflict in my life is, has seemed to increase. And I thought I'd, I would, you know, take the Jesus bullet and everything would be wonderful. I'm like, open up my Bible. Where, where is that? 
where 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 does it where's the the promise of your life you're going to have a life of ease comfort and pleasure no i think i remember something about jesus saying picking up your cross that daily the the, the cross you know even though it's kind of a nice thing in our culture not so nice in the first century was a symbol of like pretty awful things we'll get to that in a few months but uh this this life that Christ is calling us to to something that's hard and here you know the, these followers that that they're there and this storm is coming in and while this storm is coming in Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion you know Mark thought that was important that we knew that Jesus' head was on a cushion I guess the disciples woke him up shouting teacher i won't shout teacher don't you care that we're going to drown it's a legitimate question when jesus woke up he rebuked the wind and said to the waves silence be still suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm then he asked them why are you afraid do you still have no faith. Then the disciples were absolutely terrified. Now they're terrified. <laughs> Before, not so much, but, but now they're terrified. And they ask the question that we're asking, who is this man? Who is this man? Who is Jesus? This guy that even the wind and the waves obey him. Who has that kind of power? And they're asking the same question that we're asking. Who is this guy? Who's this guy who's healing the sick, who's, who the religious people hate, that the, the, the political structure is, is annoyed by? Who's this guy who's out here teaching and healing and, and, and even the wind and the waves are obeying him? And the fact is that those of us who are followers of Christ Storms are still going to come. This is a fact. You're going to have adversity. You're going to have heartbreak. That you're going to have all of these different things. But we also know from Romans that, that Paul tells us that all things work together for good for those who love him and have been called to his purpose. That, that we know as followers of Christ, that we have this assurance that even when the wind is coming through and the, and the waves are breaking the bow, which is a ter terrifying experience, that, you know what? Even if you're injured, even if you die, that God is in control and He is going to work that together for good. And you know what the most important thing to me in this in this story is in this this wind and and the rain and and the and the boat looks like it's going to go down. You know what the most important thing to me as a, as a follower of Christ is in this entire entire story? Jesus is in the boat. He's not in the sh on the shore. He he is not, 
you know, in the safety of, 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 a, of a house somewhere or in a control center. He's not removed from the situation. Jesus is there. And he's saying to maybe those of us who are in a storm right now, he's saying, why are you so afraid? I'm here. I'm here. And if you're a follower of me, you know that all things are going to work together for good. And you know what? If this boat goes down, that's my plan. And guess what? I'm going with you. And we are going to be together. This is my commitment. You guys pray with me. Dear Lord, so often we fall trapped to the the destination gospel to thinking that if we arrive at at a certain church in a certain seat that that we have arrived in and that we this is it and god i i i just uh i speak against that right now that god i i pray that you give us a desire to to do what you have called us to be that the great thing about your body is that, that you've given us a great variety of gifts. Some of us are nurses who go to Haiti. Some of us teach and speak, and you say, you know what, if you got that gift, do it well. God, others of us, you've entrusted us with, with money and resources, and you say, tell us, you know what, be generous if, and, and, and flex that gift. God, some of us, you've given the, the gift of just being a truth teller. And you tell us in Scripture, tell the truth, that to be the one who, who tells us when we are, we are off track. God, I just pray that each and every one of us will, will just exercise those gifts that you have given us, that, that we will take them seriously and see them as vital a vital part of your church. God, I also pray for those who who may be in a storm of life right now. Maybe through work, maybe they've been laid off, maybe they're afraid that their business is going to close. Maybe there's relational problems with their kids or their wife or their parents. Whatever avenue that these, this wind and, and these waves are crashing in on their boat, that they will realize that you are there. And you are quietly saying, do not be afraid. I am with you. In Jesus' name, amen.